go. Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow and I'm joined as always by my best man, Nick Dostal. How you doing there, Ladybird? Oh, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we're in person. It's weird because our last episode, The Exorcist, we were in person in Los Angeles and now mm. we're in person in the Washington, D.C. area. So we're just like, we're bouncing all around, going all around town for... We going to go back to the steps? Uh, I could. T- oh, man. You're, oh, I didn't know I was going to get the dig this early on. Yay. Yeah, I can take you to the steps. We have some free time on. We don't have any free time. We do have some free time tomorrow. It'll be during the day. Not as exciting during the day <laughs> when death is not imminent. Anyway, today is going to be a lot of fun. Today, we're going to go through an entire studio of movies, A24. Not really. I mean, they have so many movies that they have produced and distributed they are right now, I mean, inarguably the premier indie film company, whether that is for distribution, which is their primary focus, or production, which they've gotten into more recently. This company is doing really, really good work, and they are responsible. They started releasing movies in 2013, and they are responsible for some of the best movies we've had of the past, you know, 10 years, we can even say. We're celebrating, essentially, the work of of an entire studio that's been, yeah, for the most part, a decade. So it, it just seemed like in, instead of trying to pick our favorite top 10, because there's too many, there's too many that are too good to not talk about. So why not just give love to all of the ones that, well, we particularly gravitate towards, but also ones that if we did do a traditional top 10 list, maybe wouldn't actually make the cut, but we want to get these movies out there. We want you guys to, if you haven't seen these, you haven't heard of them, because that's really what it is, is probably haven't heard of quite a bit of these movies. So, but there are like deep cuts here that are too good to not talk about. The list we worked off of was the list of A24 films on Wikipedia. It's up to date, but just to give a really quick brief backstory, A24 actually started in 2012 strictly as a film distribution company. So if you have like the big festival movie, that's like making a splash at Sundance or Tribeca or Cannes, back in the day, you know, you would be scooped up out of there. Miramax would do it. Some of the most famous filmmakers working today were discovered that way. Quentin Tarantino, of course, Steven Soderbergh, so many. That just, I don't know, that's a lot harder to find nowadays. If movies are in festivals, like I've been to film festivals and seen amazing movies that I, I genuinely have no idea how I see again. And then a company like this, you know, they can't obviously distribute everything. And then in 2016, a really banner year that we'll get to, they start producing movies and producing and distributing their own movies. So they become a kind of one-stop shop and that paid off really, really well. But my main question for you, before we get into our this kind of chronological order, is that like logo. Like I love the A24 logo when it opens a movie. So like when you see that, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel like I'm about to see a really good movie. Because when that logo pops up in a trailer and before the movie starts, maybe I didn't know it was an A24 movie going into it. I will immediately be like, oh, there is going to be something about this movie that speaks to some type of credibility at the very least. Because they want to put out what is not being put out. It is a rare thing nowadays. We're not seeing too many of these, but A24 even in this year, is coming out with movies that movies that we're going to talk about, but you got The Green Knight that just came out, yeah. Zola, 
Val. These are all heavy hitters for 2021 so far. Yeah, absolutely. So it that's enough of a preamble. Let's get into these movies. I'm going to kick it off here and start with it's not again, we're not going to mention every movie. We have about 50 movies to get through here and some we're going to breeze through, some we're going to talk about a little longer, but my first up is one of my favorite of the past 10 years and that's Spring Breakers, released in 2013, directed by Harmony Korine. I love everything about this movie. I mean, seriously, it was one of my it was I don't think it made my it didn't make my top 10 of the decade, but it's like right there in the top 15. Cinematography, editing and music, you rarely see them blended this well together whether you like that or not, or are on board with it or not. It's very fluid filmmaking. It's like beautiful trash poetry. And I love it. I've always loved it. Oh, I Bathed love in neon. Yeah. Beautiful <laughs> trash poetry. That's exactly what that movie is. That's fantastic. It always felt like to me that was the movie Harmony Corinne wanted to make. Not, ne- not just like story, but like the way he had all the tools, all the toys. It was shot by a very, very good cinematographer. Benoit Demi. So yeah, I went on a date. I took a girl to a date to go see this movie because oh, I Christ. thought it was going to be a fun movie to go go see on a date with. And I remember, I but I was super into the movie. Oh yeah, like I was like, oh my <laughs> god. But you, when the movie was over, it's like you do not want to necessarily be romantic with anyone. Well, yeah, it's a, definitely not a good date movie. I couldn't I couldn't recommend that. It's more like. It's like if you give an avant-garde man-child like 10 million bucks or so and like Disney stars, which doesn't make any sense, but to me works very, very well. So good. I'm glad you have a Spring Breaker stories too. I walked her back to her car and we both felt the exact same way. It was just like we weren't holding hands and I looked at the car I was like, so this probably isn't going to happen again. Yeah. No. <laughs> spring break. All right. Next up. Um, enemy if you uh, okay so like Denny Villeneuve he's taken off I love him he is arguably about to release what's going to be the biggest movie of the year which is Dune or at least one of the most hyped so Denny Villeneuve Prisoners Sicario Arrival Blade Runner 2049 Dune go back a little before then I love all those movies don't get me wrong just go back a little farther my favorite is always in Sandi that came out in 2010 oh my god that movie's amazing enemy is Unlike anything he has ever made, it's unlike anything Jake Gyllenhaal has ever starred in, and there's two of him in it because it's a dual performance. I don't want to say too much about it because it's really uh, came out the same year as Prisoners, and it is absolutely nothing like that movie, and I love both, and Gyllenhaal's in both, and it's it's just, just go watch Enemy, and that's it. We're going to be giving praise like this for some of these movies on here because the joy in them is like discovering them. This is a really, really weird-ass movie, so... You need to go watch it for yourself, but please, enemy. Gyllenhaal uh, said some really cool things about Denis. Yeah. He, he's felt there's a kinship between actor, director, like they just speak each other's languages. And this movie is a clear example of how well they work together. G- Gyllenhaal, it, it might be, uh, it's so hard to say because he's so good, but I was going to get ahead of myself and say top three, but maybe It would definitely five. be top three Gyllenhaal performance you think to me. so? Yeah, because it's two, it's a dual performance, which is tricky in itself to pull off but he's just i don't know like i i'm really a fan of tracking a director's body of work and it's so unlike anything else he's done that either of them have done i don't know it's just it's this weird canadian movie it's just this weird movie and the color saturation (laughs) oh my god the deep yellows yeah yeah they're great next up under the skin i want to just give a little praise for that again so like what a distribution company does what a24 does and all the movies we're talking i'll I'll let you know people know when it's a movie they produced because it's kind of you know it's a kind of bigger deal 
distribution company is responsible for you seeing the movie, whether that means let's put them in theaters, but like movie like Enemy or Under the Skin, they're not they're not just going to draw like huge theatrical crowds. So then it's like, okay, how do we do this also online or streaming? Also, my whole point is Under the Skin is a movie that who else would have the gusto to release it and go, okay, people, here you go and watch it. Like it stars Scarlett Johansson. We hope that's enough of a selling point, but this is just such a supremely odd movie that I love. I think this was the first movie of like, because yeah, you don't really think about it like at that time. I maybe wasn't thinking about A24 as the company that it was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think this has got to be one of the first staples of, okay, this is who we are. This is the kind of stuff that we're putting out into the world. And it's great because you're right. It's such an odd movie. And Enemy is odd as well. But Under the Skin is something different. There is something... That movie's alive in a way that it makes sense with the, the content of the movie as well. But there's something going on in that movie that you can't talk about. And that's the yeah. magic of it. There's Man. something going on that you feel. Yeah, absolutely. So then the first one to kick over to you that you picked, you we, we basically each picked 10 movies that we kind of wanted to dive into a little more. My first were Spring Breakers and Enemy. And then your first up was Locke, which I was really... I'm really happy to see that was on here. And that's one that I only saw once in the theater. Nothing against it. I just really liked that movie. But yeah, tell me about Locke. Oh, yeah. See it again. Oh, yeah. See it again. Absolutely. You know, coming from the world of theater, I love solo shows, one man shows. um, And it's, it's crazy to think that it could work on a film. It's not something that's done a lot. This is Tom Hardy in a car. Stuck. For like 90 (laughs) minutes. And not one of those minutes is boring. Right. It is a suspenseful thrill ride on the edge of your seat, filled with tension and anxiety that's just being forwarded by one of the best actors, in my opinion, of our generation. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that this movie wouldn't work without anybody else. But let's just say a big part of the reason why this movie is so good is because it's Tom Hardy. Yeah. And I heard he like actually had a cold during that take they went with. So they just like went, they had to lean into it. They didn't have a choice. So he just, isn't that right? Like he's blowing his nose and stuff. Oh, throughout yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. I just, I love those little details. Like, all right, we're, we're here doing it. We're here filming it. So let's just get it right. Who cares about if there's a cold in here? I don't know. I love that. So yeah, I definitely want to go check it out. Next up. A brief one I wanted to mention, there's a lot on here I just watched because we were researching this podcast, The Captive from 2014. It's a really nifty thriller that didn't get that fair of a shake. It has a lot of fun with editing. It's directed by Adam Egoyan, Ryan Reynolds, who you love, Bruce Greenwood. Not bad. It's not bad. It's like a nice, you know, it's a nice Canadian thriller. I should have mentioned this earlier. A24 has an exclusive deal currently right now through 2022 where they are showing... I believe every movie of theirs is now streaming on Showtime. So like if you have Showtime anytime, they are all on there. Not the ones that are associated with Apple Plus. That's confusing, but it, that's my understanding. And some of them are available elsewhere too. Some of them are just popular enough to be on like every platform really. But my point is when I'm mentioning these smaller ones, if you're like, oh, cool, that'd be a cool one to see. They should all still be on Showtime. So that's just, I'm just putting that out there. That's all. But I think you would like it too. That's another reason I brought it up. And then they also, uh, I've been finding a lot of them currently on Kenopi. Yeah, yeah, so that's I right. I don't know if that's going to change or not. We don't well, know how that's yeah, going to go. Yeah, you don't, I, no one ever knows. But I know they did sign an exclusive deal with Showtime 2022. They're showing their movie. So that I've been 
I've watched so much Showtime like That's the past reason. yeah month or two just researching this. Next up, your next extended one. Oh man, uh, there's just never a bad reason to talk about this movie. A most violent year, 2014. Oh man, yeah, this is probably like the one that out of all of the movies that we're going to talk about blanketing this amazing studio, this might be the one that I recommend the most. Oh yeah, but it, oh. it it's you got to know going into it, you got to pay attention. This movie is a slow burn, but it's so deep. What's oh, yeah. going on? The 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 tone is masterful. I, this movie knows exactly what it is and what it's doing. Throwback to a good, good seventies movie. Yeah, the the conviction. This movie to me is a movie about conviction. Yeah, and every character has has something really, really strong in it, and it shines with the director by J C Chandor. Yeah, absolutely. And the seventies reference. That's that's my main selling point for the movie. It's just like a, it's a good slow burn seventies thriller that just happened to be made in two thousand fourteen. That's one of the best. Uh, Michael Clayton is a really good one too. That just happened to be made in two thousand seven. But they're very clearly paying homage to those type of movies and. Yeah, it, you have to sit and watch it, but Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain, they went to Juilliard together, they have history together, and if you're as excited as we are for Scenes from a Marriage on HBO, go check this out, because they are just, their husband and wife, they're on fire in this movie. So good. Next up, really quickly, 2015, Ex Machina, which was a huge smash for H24. Now we're starting to see, there's there's really a definitive moment when like A24 becomes A24 and people start if you're like us, like we go, we'll see a movie just because they produced it or distributed it. But this is one that helped a lot with their popularity. My main thing I love about this movie, they made it for 15 million and it win the, won the visual effects Oscar over Fury Road and The Martian. And I just love that. And it, you know, it makes Alicia Vikander a star and you have Oscar Isaac again dancing his ass off. So yeah, Ex Machina. You like this one? I love it. Yeah, it's I, really, really good. I, I love everything. Annihilation, which isn't an A24 movie, but same director. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just uh, that dude, he's, he's, got a, he's got a sci-fi eye in mind, uh, but it comes out with really original stuff. Yeah, he really does. He's been doing it for a while, Alex Garland. Next up, Amy in 2015. This is the first documentary we're talking about. The main thing to highlight here is that this wins the Oscar, and I'll talk about 2015 a little bit later, but... Just wanted to touch on that. That's man, that's always just been such a hard documentary for me to stomach, but you know, there it is. And now we arrive at your next extended one. I'll just let you introduce it because I think something tells me this is one of your favorite on the list. Ooh. 2015, here we go. Mississippi Grind. Great film. I um I'm sure we have talked about this a little bit in the podcast, but this is a very special movie. Couldn't have been more surprised with how good it was. Oh man, the way so it, it's essentially it's it's nothing you've never seen before. Right, you, you it's a road movie, it's a gambling movie, it's a buddy movie, all things that we know. But the way these characters reveal themselves is so fresh, and certain story elements and places that it goes are just really really surprising. Yeah. and I love seeing that you are seeing something new and original in a genre that we know all too well. And it's even lifted a little catchphrase we like to use of we can't lose. We can't lose. That's right. We and can't lose. Chemistry is a thing I like to talk about a lot. Not I, I like to talk about it as it's not related to romance. And like Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn here behave exactly how the directors want their characters to behave. They are, it's not like they've been fast friends forever. I mean, you know, they just met, but 
man, I love watching these guys together. Like, I just love it. And that's a huge selling point of a movie that whatever you think about those two actors, they have they are excellent in this and they are filling like your expectations of them perfectly, like what they can you know, achieve. I oh, God, I love them in it. And I the justification it. for who these guys are and what motivates them and why they do it. Yeah. That's what I love about it because it's it goes a lot deeper and it it it, it, it it's always being revealed as it goes. Right. So you you're starting to understand everything more. Like this really is a character movie. Oh yeah. Um. I yeah. It's it, you will not be disappointed. No. And I it's one of my all time favorite Ryan Reynolds. Next up, we have the next year. Oh, man, this is a big one for me. This is Krisha, 2016. Yes. First film by the great Trey Edward Schultz. And this is the, this is the definition of an indie festival stunner. This, this guy makes a feature film in his parents' house with his family and friends as cast members. His aunt is the star. To fund it, they use Kickstarter and other sources. They have a shooting budget of 30 grand. They make the movie. They shoot it for nine days. <laughs> The director also edits the movie. It gets into South by Southwest. It goes to Cannes. A24 sees it. They distribute it. And again, that's just not something that happens a lot anymore, especially for a movie this good. And I I absolutely love this movie. It is a really, really just like gritty domestic drama that you can tell that he knew how to stretch a budget. And, you know, spoiler alert, this is not the first or last mention of Trey Edward Schultz on this podcast. So... If you like his other movies, which we're going to mention as we go along, go back and give Chris a watch. I love this damn movie. <laughs> this movie fucked me up. Yeah, it's not an easy watch. Like it is, you know, there's nothing like supernatural about it. It's just a, it's a Thanksgiving gone very, very wrong for really, yeah. really realistic, honest reasons that if you come from a dysfunctional family, and I guess they all are in different ways, like this will, you know, you'll be right at home. <laughs> and that woman, ooh, what a performance. Yeah. That's his aunt in real life. Like, it's nuts. She's not a trained actor. Like, it's crazy. That, that blew me away. Yeah. Because she is she because it's not just certain things about acting. And this won't ruin anything if you see it, because the opening shot mm-hmm. is just this very, very close up shot of her face. Mm-hmm. Her expression and what you can imagine is going on behind her eyes is so alive that that's the, she's good. Oh, yeah, she's really good. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I was really glad you checked that one out, too. Next up, The Lobster. Same year, 2016. We have Yorgos Lanthimos. The main thing I want to say about this is I was so excited when I saw this movie because I knew it would help him cross over because I have been I was already a huge admirer of Dogtooth, which came out in 2010. It was nominated for the Oscar. Still my favorite movie of his. It's very, very perverse, as you might imagine, because it's a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. But The Lobster with, you know, it has Colin Farrell, Rachel Wise, John C. Riley, <laughs> And I just I, I thought, oh, man, I think this is this is what's going to cross him over. And it did. You know, now he's made movies that are nominated for Oscars, Oscar winning movies. The main thing I want to hear from you about this is you got to go to a Q&A of this movie, which sounded really, really interesting. It was. Yeah. It was really, really cool. And I'm just going to say it because it's one of those things that it, it's like Colin Farrell <laughs> is way better looking in person than he is on camera. And that's a good looking man. Well, in this movie, he's not really good looking, but you just mean like in, just ge- in yeah, general. I, I saw him a few times around town. It, yeah. <laughs> he's all right. Saw him at the grocery store a few times, actually. 
But he was saying that Yorgos did not really give much direction. Yeah, yeah. And they're working with this script and this 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 dialogue, and they all kind of banded together as an ensemble and kind of figured out together how deliveries, mm-hmm. uh, cadence, rhythm. Because when you watch this movie, that's what comes at you first and foremost. Right away. is a right very, away. very specific tone and rhythm to the speech. And they came up with that together. Because Yorgos did not give them. Colin that. Farrell and John C. Riley came up with that together. A or just everybody. like all the actors. All yeah. the actors. Because they kind of were like, what is this movie? Like, right. what are we kind of doing? And they all kind of just started playing and exploring and kind of finding it through there. And Yorgos was just really, really happy about what was going on. But it had nothing necessarily to do with him. That's and I what I remember you told me that I I had just seen it too, and I remember being like, that really makes so much sense because you see them just being a this awkward, weird community. So whether they're in that resort or in the woods, like dancing to EDM, and it's like, what the hell's going on here? But yeah, you really feel like this, like an actor's workshop, like found their way through it. But we're gonna we will talk about my favorite Yorgos film shortly. But I really, really love this one, and I love that it genuinely helped him cross over and now i just hope he makes movies forever god i love this guy and i think he might be the best director currently today at absurdism yeah he's very good at it he's not afraid of it i mean just really at all and his absurdism is not like it's a really hard thing to unpack but okay how about this table that and we're going to talk about that and the next it, one. coming up yeah <laughs> next up next up for our purposes is De palma i wanted to just we're, we're not like diving deep into this but uh, you know, for a lot of these movies that we're mentioning, this was when I was living in L.A. too. So we saw a lot of these together, which was really cool. And De Palma, it's co-directed by Noah Baumbach and Jake Paltrow. And it's still my favorite Noah Baumbach performance. I, or <laughs> it's still my favorite Noah Baumbach uh, movie that he's directed. I hope that's OK to say I'm dead serious. So like, wouldn't it be so cool if they got together every year and just did this for a new director? Because this movie just goes cool. through. First movie to last, right in order. And Brian De Palma has not made universally great movies. And I just, I loved it. Good, the bad, and the ugly. I love this doc. You know, that's a great point because that is exactly what that movie does. And that's what I liked about it too. Just but you, right in order. You don't Boom. see that. Yeah, you don't. It's like you see, you know, if, if someone, if they did Spielberg and it wasn't them two doing it, it would be, you know, like the 10 Spielberg movies. But the dude's directed like 40 movies or something. Like talk about the ones that didn't work out. That's what makes it, I don't know. That's what's cool. And to sit there with the director and watch him talk about like Bonfire of the Vanities, which is not a well-regarded movie. I just, I don't know. I really appreciate that. And every bit was fascinating. Yeah, Like there was always something to take away from each movie because maybe some weren't had, didn't have as much attention. Yeah. But there was always something to take from it that was, that was very, very cool. Yeah. I liked what, I mean, what's my favorite De Palma film? I mean, you got Sisters, Carrie, like all all the blowout. I like the portions on blowout as much as I liked them on bonfire of the vanities like i i just or mission to mars like i just did and that's that's a good that's a well-made documentary that's all we can't go through like if andrea arnold can be mentioned on a podcast we got to mention her so american honey we both love that movie the ones we're breezing over it's not because we don't like them like we both we saw this movie together we love this movie just please go see that we're highlighting ones that we want want people to see so next up is the a24 turning point it's 2016 going well they're distributing a lot of movies and then they decide to produce a movie and release that as well this is a very little movie made for 1.5 million dollars it's called moonlight the director hasn't made much before 
no one really knows much about this movie and then it becomes moonlight it's a complete and utter phenomenon it you know wins best picture obviously in a very kind of Did crazy it? way <laughs> <laughs> which it, but the way that you just said that like it does kind of suck for that movie because yeah. some people are like oh wait oh but Oh, 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 that's right. And you have to like do the thing in your head. Like, you know, they didn't really get their moment. And that that does kind of suck that, that, you know, but anyway, and maybe that is what it'll always be best known for. But I mean, you got it. We're talking about A24. This is their probably this is their biggest movie because it's the first movie they produce. First movie they shell out money to like actually make it. And it wins Best Picture. And that does not happen. A production company's first movie winning Best Picture is unheard of. And a movie in 2016 that cost $1.5 million to make, winning Best Picture, unheard of. So this is a huge industry moment, film moment, A24 moment, and that's Moonlight. And I'm always a big fan of spanning time. And this movie spans the uh, uh, life of a child to, to a teen to young adult. And I, uh, I, I'm a sucker for that. I, I, I thought each one of these stories had something cool to offer. Yeah, they show you exactly how much you need to. I Yeah, I really like that as well. I love that. Next up, this is a brief one for me. The Monster in 2016. We're not really talking about a lot of like scary movies or horror movies. This is by Brian Bertino. He's the guy who did The Strangers, which is a really fucking scary movie from 2008. Like, it's just terrifying. And The Monster, it's an effective horror thriller. You know, a mom and daughter stuck in a car on the side of the road as a creature haunts them. The main reason I'm pointing this out Zoe Kazan is in this. I like her. Yeah. She is fucking incredible in this. Totally went for it. So, you know, if you want something a little scary and a really good female lead performance, check this one out. But A24 does a lot of horror. They do. They do. And we we are going to talk about some of the bigger ones coming up. But this was early on in like their horror reign. And they, they're, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about this. We're going to get into it. This is just like a little horror teaser. But yeah, they know how to tell scary movies in a different way, which is very rare right now. Next up is your next extended one, 20th Century Women. This is probably the one I was most surprised to see on your list that you singled out. Tell me about it. I think I just got a real big soft spot for Mike Mills. Oh, yeah. I I love beginners, and I mm-hmm. love 20th Century Women just as much. There's something about the, the way that he sees people mm-hmm. is just really, really profound to me. He He does this thing in this movie with voiceover uh, where it pops in because the voiceover doesn't, it's not a narrative voiceover storytelling and different characters chime in, but they'll talk about themselves in the future tense. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and they'll be like in this year, this will happen to me. I will go on and do this. Uh, And, and with the visuals that you're seeing juxtaposed, my favorite word (laughs) with the storytelling it just lends itself to really feeling a life. Yeah. And it does this with a lot of all the characters right, in the movie. Right. And I love that. I And I think this movie just has a lot of heart. I think it raises a lot of interesting questions about relationships and time. And man, he's got something he likes to say about um, his mother in this mm-hmm. and Similarly, that I'm imagining in, in Beginners with his yeah. father, he is yeah. using his art to tell his story. And I think I think he does it beautifully. He does. And that's yeah, I'm a big fan of Beginners. That's a, I never thought about that. Like that could be like a, you know, kind of a love letter to his dad. And this could be a, a sort of love letter of sorts to his mom. I like that. I, you know, I love thinking about thinking about it in that way. 
And the next one I was really stunned to see on your list because this is one I saw for the first time while researching this episode, and that is The Lovers, Ooh. 2017, Tracy Letts, Deborah Winger. So you, okay, d- but before you go, it's like, I'm looking, you know, and I wanted to watch, I wanted to watch as many of these as I could. So I'm like, Lovers, love Tracy Letts, Deborah Winger, okay, but like, do I need to watch like the 50, 55 year old, like divorce Roman? I, I mean, you know, I can, so I skipped over it, skipped, and then finally got to it, and it's like amazing. It's, it's like, amazing. Great. It's great. It's like, what the hell am I thinking? Like, it's, it's so good. <laughs> and, it, and it's so refreshing because yeah. that's the thing to see a movie with this age. Yeah. And the way they behave. Exactly. Is not of their age. No, not at all. When he sits down in his cubicle and he's just like, ah, and he screams <laughs> out. I love that shit. It, it, like in this movie, this is an exercise of what's not being said. Mm-hmm. These characters, I don't even know how to begin to describe them. They they are they are behaving in a certain way, and they don't talk about it at all. Right, and it, and eventually, it, you start to see how this is actually a huge flaw in their lives. But it, it's this movie is it does so many weird, yeah. fascinating things that. You don't see in movies. Text messages are not being read out loud. Phone calls are happening where you don't know who's on the other end. Right. You're left. It's it's a it's an educated movie. You need to kind of go into it and and assess for yourself what's happening. It's awesome. And I'm I'm glad we're actually diving into this one a little more because so many movies of this kind, like the people involved, are like financially like they're all right like you know they got they got the kids like they've they're going through a divorce like it's okay but like they don't have to worry about much the first time we meet deborah winger in this she's like talking to her like boyfriend outside and she's like you know i like i have to get back to work or else i'm gonna get in trouble and it's like yeah it doesn't matter what age you are you can still like you have a boss and this movie acknowledges that i just love those details like it's a real movie it's a real movie about real people in real life and it's done very fucking well next up briefly we're going to touch on Trey Edward Schultz's sophomore feature, It Comes at Night. Again, like a really eerie, effective, I guess like low-key horror. Um, it is very unlike Krisha. It's very unlike the third film he would make. And I think the cast is a highlight here. We have Christopher Abbott, our Abbott. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Riley Keough, who, Riley! I, God, I just love her so much. So, And you just watched this for the first time. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, 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 well, I, I think I got on a, after I saw Krisha. Yeah, I, yeah, I watched exactly. this right afterwards because I was like, "All right, Krisha blew me away." Right, and, but I was like, I, "I I gotta see what what he did with this." Yeah. I loved it. I I was it was it was yeah. It's so unlike the other two. Mm-hmm. Like I would if you didn't tell me who that director was, I would have never guessed that it was the right. same one. Right, but I think that's great because I do too. obviously he, he. I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting conversation to have with him, like. Did you always have this movie in mind? Mm-hmm. Was this always a genre you wanted to go in? That is a good question. Because actually. there yeah. are like in 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 the world of filmmaking, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, a, a way that a lot of filmmakers do it is horror because horror movies always sell. Yeah. yeah. And if you have a good script, you can sell it easily, even if you're a no name. Um, I'd love to talk to that guy about anything oh and everything. Gosh. I would love to sit down with him, have a fucking talk. Oh yeah, you. Oh my like, god, I'm talking. I'd, 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 be, I'd be watching the same two people have the I'd be watching clones yeah, in front of me. Would, well, I think I think he would be a little bored of the conversation, <laughs> maybe. Um, and next up is a really man. What a peculiar 
movie that even when I saw the trailer, I was like, there, you can't pull this off. And then I see a ghost story and I am completely and utterly blown away. And I know it had a great effect on you too. So let me hear about it. <sighs> this movie just, it talks about existentialism in a way that makes me so uncomfortable and I love it. Because mm -hmm. there's something that I don't get about our world. There's something that it, it fascinates me, it intrigues me, it motivates me, it inspires me, it terrifies me. And this movie hit all of those on the head. And it's almost like three different movies. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, I loved every second of this movie. Yeah. I thought I was in the movie theater for like three hours. Yeah, it's like 90 minutes. Yeah. It just cruises by. I, yeah. it, the, the depth of the where it took me on, a, on an intellectual level, I could not believe that that was just 90 minutes. Yeah. That was 90 minutes of me going down an existential rabbit hole that fucked me up right in a great way like that's crazy to me for one hundred thousand dollars which is Oof. if that's really the budget of this movie that's just i don't know that's nuts and this is david lowry this is he's responsible for probably the biggest a24 movie at the moment right now which is the green knight which we're going to talk about as we get toward the end but wow if you want to see what this guy how this guy can stretch a buck and with casey affleck and rooney mara completely on board the whole time Ah, I love, I just love this movie so much. And I thinking really about how it's 90 minutes and 80 of those minutes is spent with a pie. Yeah. Oh, well, not 80, <laughs> but yeah. 18 maybe. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Jesus. Next up for me is another extended one. This is Good Time, 2017, Ooh. the Zafty Brothers. So this is another, I, I chose this one specifically to highlight kind of the beauty of A24, because this is a really good example of them giving young indie filmmakers the push that they needed. Because the Zafty brothers have been making movies for a while, shorts, features. You may not have seen them because they've been very, very low budget. I saw Heaven Knows What, which is like absolutely brutal, no budget heroin drama. Oh my God. And, you know, they make good time, probably off the strength of Heaven Knows What. But to get it distributed, A24 picks it up and they're like, here you go. We're going to let people see good time, which is the bridge to graduate you to uncut gems. Robert Pattinson at that time, I mean, he, uh, he, he, people were still bagging on him for Twilight. Right. So this was the movie that actually, in my opinion, kind of finally got him out of that. Yeah. I think he saw some of their movies, including Heaven Knows What, and was like, I just want to, whatever you guys have next, like, let me know. And then he does this and this, I mean, this movie's absolutely nuts and never ever settles down you're just going 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 and that's oh, the safety brothers yeah that's, that's it you just that's how go. they talk <laughs> yeah they do oh my god you just go and then a completely tonally different change of pace we're gonna slow things way way down for your next extended cut and that is the florida project from 2016 it's still my favorite movie of that year. Really? That's, man, that's tough. Even over like Phantom Thread? Yeah. Fucking hell, I love it, Phantom it, Thread. That just means you like the Florida Project a lot. I do. I, I, uh, and you know what, man? I gotta, I think, I think I'm done. I think, I think you gotta <laughs> stick a fork in my whole entire me not liking movies with kids. I think. Oh, is it done? We're, we're retiring. Maybe because, you just like got. It's kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, they want me to go and shoot, you know, these Italian pictures. Like, how many have you seen? One or two? Yeah, I bet. And there weren't, you know, it's like, how many have you actually seen? And maybe you just saw one or two that you, like, fucking hated. And you're like, I don't like movies with kids anymore. And it's I like, think that's exactly well, dude, they're, right. Yeah, the kids and, in the Florida Project are great, indeed. And, and, and the thing is, too, is, like, this movie's so good with that because... 
this is the movie. The reason why I don't like kids <laughs> is because of these little fuckers. They're a product of their environment, mm-hmm. but they're little fucking monsters. <laughs> and they, I get, I got so frustrated with them. I just like you. Oh my God. But then I think this is why I love the movie so much is because I'm getting so angry and worked up and, and, uh, and, and then you meet the mom. Right. And, and it's crazy because you see how the kid is, is a reflection of this. But you also feel for the real given circumstance of her life, what she just can't connect. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe, oh Ugh. my God. Like, and he's the perfect character in this movie that, that, that splits the line between feeling for her and, and being like, this is fucked up. Yeah. So yeah. he's your window. He's right. our audience window into the, just this world that he controls. I just think this movie does so much great things and it's so human. It's so raw and real. This is this person and you can't judge. Very true. I know I went off a little bit on that, but I think that's the that's what this movie's crowning achievement is. So the killing of a sacred deer, you know, we were talking about absurdism early that he may be the best absurd director. And I've watched this is the one of his I've seen the most. This is a very, very absurd movie. Just the way they're talking, the actions. But, like, everyone around them doesn't really understand that it's absurd. I just love this. And I I have to declare, I don't know, once for all or on here, that Barry Cogan, like, what that kid is doing in this, it could be. I have not, like, actually gone out and make a list. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. But this could be one of the 10 best performances of the decade. And I'm not even kidding. Like, every time I rewatch it, when he has to (laughs) explain to Colin Farrell, like, what's happening... And he's like, you know, but I don't have a lot of time. Be fast. And he takes that deep breath. And he just goes, this is going to have, this is going to have the eyes, this. And he's like, as fast as I could say it. It's, you're, it's fucking breathtaking. Like, oh, I love this guy so much. And I've, I need to ding myself. I wanted to call out the movies A24 has produced along the way, not just distributed. The Lovers, they produced. It Comes at Night, they produce as well. And then The Killing of a Sacred Deer is just, you know, they forked out the money for it. And it's like a big gamble because the first shot of this movie is an actual human heart like being <laughs> operated on. So, you know, it's just a really out there movie. And I absolutely love it. Oh, my God. I couldn't agree more. Everything you just said was like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, I I'm trying to think if it's my favorite Yorgos because I really do love the favorite as well. Well, I got it. I, you had to see Dogtooth. Yeah, because I know. Dog I, Tooth, do. I, I, do. I think you'd be like, it's in, you know, it's Greek. So you got to read subtitles, which I know isn't a problem for you, but. Man, it, it's very small. You know, he didn't have a lot of money. I don't even want to say what it's about, but it is just so like, it is absolutely his sentiment. That's all I'll say. It's very absurd. It takes place in reality, but man, it is out there. The, the Killing of a Sacred Deer is my favorite shot movie from him. Yes, though. me too. Me too. Absolutely. I absolutely. I feel like Stanley Kubrick would love that Oh, movie. yeah. And the favorite's very shot well. It's got the fish eye. It is. Okay. But- sacred deer like it feels dystopian right whatever city you think it is it doesn't i don't know how he got it to look like that just really really wide angle lenses where they're so far out and he's using architecture so well i mean yeah that's just that's what makes it so fun to rewatch. is that i'm looking at these shots like how the hell is this hospital like how many scenes have we seen in hospitals and you're like okay great it's a hospital room i've shot some of them they didn't you know it's like give me a good compelling angle in the hospital room and he gets it ah i love it you and I have been Team Colin Farrell. I've, I have loved that guy since Tigerland 2000. Come at me. Joel Schumacher. Like, no, I bought that movie in the $5.99 or $3.99 bin at Walmart. 
in 2000. No one had ever heard of it. I love that fucking movie. Anyway, so I've always <laughs> been on his. I've always been on his team. Miami Vice. You know, he has his issues. Everyone does. It's okay. In Bruges, we've never seen like the lobster or something like this from him. No. Where it's like you're. You know, he's hidden behind this horrible beard in this movie, and I, I don't know. This is, I love it. I love this movie. Next up is a, really probably one of the most loved A24 films. It's Lady Bird. I just we have you know we can't have an A24 conversation without talking about Lady Bird. It was a it was a major major movie for them. So did you like this one? What do you think about? I this? did. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love Greta. Oh yeah. I um. There's an energy behind that movie that's a transference mm-hmm. that I think that mm-hmm. can only a director can yep. that that energy comes across because that movie feels like her. Yeah. And that's her first movie. Right. It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm a big fan of Lady Bird, a huge Greta fan. Next is a movie that like keeps getting a lot of good play on the podcast. And that's First Reformed by Paul Mm. Schrader. Like we never mean to bring it up. It just gets brought up. And I think this is, I wanted to call this one out because this is a really good example. We've mentioned a lot of movies by young, talented filmmakers. That's their first movie. It's their second movie. This is a veteran aged vibrant voice who does not like paul schrader is has always had something to say it was really cool that a24 let him say this in a very unschrader like way the the dialogue in this movie is very schrader it's very very brutal but the way it is shot you know the four three aspect ratio the very still camera it's his bergman movie i mean i love it bergman and and tarkovsky movie my, I mean, my last thing about this is 2018 was such a weak Oscar year, and this got one nomination. It's like, I don't know, spread the wealth. Like, give Ethan a nomination, for God's sake. I mean, and I'm, and I'm not just going to get on my soapbox and talk <laughs> about how much I love Ethan, because I do. Uh, he's my guy. But, I mean, Jesus Christ, how do you not nominate him for that? Cause it that, was really bad that they didn't. He's so good in it. Yeah. Paul Schrader makes a lot of movies that you may not have seen because they don't get the push that they need to. And this A24 was responsible for giving it that push. That's all. Next up is, I love talking about this movie because there are, are a lot of people who do not like Hereditary by Ari Aster, <laughs> released in 2018. I actually really like this movie, but if you don't like it, what I like, the conversation I like to steer it towards is, yeah, but isn't that like, isn't it just one of the most fucking evil movies you've ever seen? Like, I'm not trying to give too much away but this isn't to have that cold hearted of a sensibility and there are some genuine like freaky moments in this like her hiding in the corner of the bedroom like holy shit like that's terrifying and i mean mentioned the damn car ride like there's some really really crazy shit in this movie but where it all ends up it's like man that i i don't know it's just crazy and we really don't see indie movies like this a 10 million dollar movie and i'm so happy they produced this as well so they you know, they chipped in, they footed the bill for a lot of this to let him do it his own way. I mean, he has inverted shots. It's like, this is a first-time filmmaker. His, he had made a lot of effective shorts, but this is his first feature. And it's, I don't know, it's crazy. And this is still A24's highest-grossing movie to date. It, it's a big one for them. They, yep. and, and even still as a cult movie, it's yeah. still oh, yeah. talked about. Twitter goes crazy over her at a time. Yeah. Another one that I want to mention briefly Imagine any like prison drama you've seen in the past 10 years. It is not as brutal as a prayer before dawn. There's a true story about a British boxer, Billy Moore, who was forced to serve time in a very inhumane and brutal prison in Thailand. And, you know, I watched this one next to you on a flight, actually. Oh, I remember this. And I was, I don't, how did they 
film this. Like, this feels like a documentary. Very brutal movie. If you're in for something brutal, rough, it's a true story. A Prayer Before Dawn. Here's another one. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. Mid-90s. Directed by Jonah Hill. A24 also produced. Don't hear a lot of people talking about this movie. It's a really solid movie. It has really good good performances. Alexa Demi, who I like. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do the score. Catherine Waterston is like unbelievably good as the mom. And then for me, the personal highlight here is Lucas Hedges as the brother who's just really, really good. And it's at 85 minutes long. I just wish it would have been pushed out there a little more. It, It deserved to be seen. That's all. I agree. And it feels like, you know, the title is mid 90s. But the movie feels like you're in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It feels like you know these kids. It 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 feels very authentic to yeah. what it is. And that opening shot, oh man, yeah, will let you know what kind of movie yeah. you're watching. And I love that the Jonah Hill, like he's got something he wants to say. Yeah. And yeah. when you get an actor who's famous already and then they choose to direct something i feel like we look at them differently oh sure it's not like a director then they turn into an actor Mm -hmm. when they're like a famous actor and then they can direct something it's sort of like all right what do you what do you got here right it's a different judgment and it's not fair yeah it's a different judgment than any other way that would go but you would not expect, or I certainly didn't. No. So it makes me curious because I'm like, he's got something he wants to say. He's got a voice. Yeah. I want to see more. Oh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. So when we decided, all right, we're not going to do a top 10, but send me your 10, like an alphabetical that you want to talk about a little more extended. And I made mine and kept it secret, my 10. You, so you sent me yours. And I, I was thinking there was going to be a lot of crossover. There's one movie, one movie that made both lists, that film. Is Climax, yes. directed by Gaspar Noé. It has to be, baby. that I absolutely love from the bottom of my full heart. <laughs> but oh my God, to say this is his most accessible film yeah. is, oh my God. But, and it that's is. a true statement. But it like, is. this is a movie about, you know, a group of dancers who get spiked with acid and they try to figure it all out for a night. And it's, uh, it's an absolutely insane movie that only Noé could direct. I love it. I mean, I think you just summed it up. I can only, I can only really kind of add to it by my the experience I had when I went to see it in theaters. I I went to see it with a friend, and there were about I counted eight people in the theater. Yeah, and it starts, <laughs> and you know, and noise so great because the way that he you watch it, the way that he plugs in credits. Oh my god! It, yeah, he has so much fun with it. He has so much fun yeah. with it. So I'm I'm paying attention to the movie, but I'm also noticing like two people walk out, mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, <laughs> yep, I, I'm expecting that. And then, but because of the way he does the credits, when the movie ends, it just fucking ends. Done. You're done. A- and the lights came up in the theater. We're all fucked up. Oh yeah. And we all just collectively look at each other, and there was a girl in the corner that just started applauding. Oh yeah. Just because it's like, well. We did it, you guys. We got through this movie. We, we we made it to the end of the trip. Yeah, I think this might be my favorite. No way. Yeah, it's it's that's tough. Like I'm it's tough. It's, it's tough. I've been we've been circling around doing a director's podcast I on know. him. I don't know. Uh it's oh man, it's he it's a tough career. I get what he's doing. I love him so much. I love that he shoots his own movies. Not the cinematographer, Benoit Debbie, who shot Spring Breakers, is his longtime DP, but he operates his camera. So when Gaspar is turning the damn camera upside down, he is holding it. 
And I just, yeah, I love that. My funny story about this is like one theater got it for a week and I went four times. Oh. <laughs> so like the staff, after like time four was like, you really like this movie, huh? And I went, you guys don't understand. Like, I love this director. I never have a chance to see his movies in the theater. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. never seen Enter the Void in the theater, which that movie's insane. I did see Love in the theater, sold out show. That was quite an experience. It was in 3D. That was quite That's... an experience. That was Oh, makes it was a great lot of time. sense. I was now. in Santa Monica. It makes a lot of sense. Arrow Theater. Oh my God, I loved it. That was great. Applause. But anyway, this is just a really fun movie to watch. I really love it. I'm glad it was our shared one. I mean, he has a movie coming out this year, Vortex, starring okay. Dario Argento, that's all split screen. And it's like, maybe that's a good time to do a No Way Director's podcast well, well listen we're, we're, we're here right now let's put it out into the pod world right. um we've actually gotten a few requests for us to start covering some uh non-english speaking movies yeah um in a in a director's kind of format so would you guys like to hear uh gaspar noe deep dive yeah i mean he doesn't I, have many i know he doesn't like i would like to do it don't get me wrong it's just i don't know but i mean you do have to separate you know art from from real well it's not endorsement he's not yeah, he's yeah not, exactly climax is not encouraging you he said if anyone watches this film and wants to go do acid after oh i did not do my job yeah depiction is not endorsement and for every movie he does he picks one emotion or one kind of feeling whether it's into the void he wanted to do a trip he wanted yep. if you don't take drugs but you're watching what does like a drug trip feel like so he did that and that's his exercise for each movie. So I don't know. I appreciate him. He's awesome. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> so moving on, Native Son. This is another one they produced. This is an important one to bring up. This is one of two movies made by A24, because like I said, they produced it, that they released straight to HBO. And that's, you know, that's an interesting partnership. No theatrical distribution. This was my first exposure to Native Son. I have heard of the original text by Richard Wright, but this is a conversation starter. That is all I will say. I had a few people I, you know, recommended with caution that they watch it. And we had we had conversations after that were like meaningful. I can't say they were terribly pleasant, but you know, it's that's the type of movie that it is. And Ashton Sanders, he's the middle kid in Moonlight. He occupies the middle story. I love him. Margot Qualey, who we love, Kiki Lane, Bill Camp. It's it's just a it's a really well acted movie. It was shot by Maddie Labatique, who does Darren Aronofsky's nice. movies. Yeah. So next one, our next big extended one, huge one for you. I know you love this movie, Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This I, is one you've talked about a lot. Yeah. This is and and I I rewatched it and I think this might be now maybe like the fifth time that Ugh, I've, I've I've watched this movie. The, the the ride of what this guy is doing and where he is and what he's seeing and the people around him, it's so bizarre, but it's just enthralling to me, and I can't get enough of it. Yeah. It's just, to me, it really hits home with L.A., personally. Like, I just really feel a, a connection I have to L.A. is a movie that this movie connects to in L.A., and I, I just love living in that. It is a very, very good L.A. movie, and... When I saw this movie, it really did remind me of a novel. And a novel yeah. is allowed to go on these transgressions that necessarily don't pay off, but you've just enjoyed your time with them. And that's kind of really cool and satisfying to watch in its own way. But again, not a movie to watch like, I want every piece to yeah. fall into place. We can name you 50 movies off the top of our head where that happens. This is one where it just kind of doesn't. And you have to be along for the ride. It, and it, I appreciate that. It's just a movie that you have to live in. Yeah. 
And, yeah. you know, it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's yep. like that, too. Like, yep. you just live in this movie. Yeah. And that's where the pleasure is. Hangout from. movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Next up, so we we touched on Hereditary. I mean, this is just insane because the, I, I, I want to talk about Midsummer from, like, an industry perspective because directly after shooting Hereditary's first feature, Astor just goes and starts making this completely, totally different. I know you haven't seen it, so I don't want to say too much about it, but... When I first saw Midsummer, I, you know, I was a fan of Hereditary, of its bleakness, and I saw this. My one selling point for this movie, and it's what I told you before, this film, Ari Aster started with short films. Midsummer opens with a perfect 15-minute short film that, if you just watch it, is perfect on its own. It definitely ties in with the rest of the story, absolutely. It gets the story going, but he spends 15 minutes in this thing. When it ended, I was like, first 15 minutes will not let you down. The rest of the movie, yeah, it's a tough sit. It's really weird. It's really out there. I dig it. I don't know. You're, I can't wait to hear what you think. I'm man. excited to see it. It's another A24 produced movie that they that was released directly on HBO, and I never heard of this movie. This is a film called Share. Oh, it yeah. It came out in 2019. We have seen movies or heard of movies about the horrors of living in a world in which a viral video of you has spread throughout your community. And this is a video, a video that contains an unconscious woman having really horrible things done to them by men. The only thing I'll say is this is the very best movie made about that subject. This is not an easy movie. This is 89 minutes of what I imagine it would really be like to go through this. And it is fucking brutal to watch. The acting in it is incredible. I've Again, it's just... Like, the dad in this is the smartass in a few Scorsese movies. He's, like, yeah. the guy who sells Matt Damon his apartment in, in The Departed. Yep. Like, that's, I think his name is Jay McKenzie. And this is the most important movie I'm talking about this episode. So see it if you can and if you want to. And it's, again, it's just the best movie of its kind. Share. The headspace that it puts you in for the questions that it raises mm -hmm. about what it would be like for you or the people in your life after something like this has happened. Yeah. I think that's the power of really good art. I, I have said it before, said it many times. It's it, it raises questions, doesn't answer them, because this is a situation where there is no answer to acts that are like this. If I go from like the most serious movie to by far one of the most absurd, the title itself will signify that. This is called The Death of dick long and i'm just mentioning it because again i'm researching a24 it's on showtime i put it on if you want a movie that's like fargo fargo the movie meets sling blade but everyone has kind of the emotional intelligence of like forrest gump death of dick long is really really great it's uh it's something that you've never seen anything quite like it it's a, it's a lot of fun it's an absurdist comedy absolutely ridiculous comedy that i loved go figure <laughs> next up you know, we breeze right over The Witch, the Robert Eggers movie, which was a big deal for Robert Eggers, big deal for A24. But we'll move on to The Lighthouse, mm. which was his second movie that is just like, do you like this one? I love this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this movie is, uh, I think we are losing language mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Especially in storytelling. This movie goes back and it's so weird and it's so bizarre, but its use of language, I think, is it's strong. It's to me. That's what I got the most. I was like, this movie's really using English language. Yeah, I, I think Even that's a really... talking about farting. And... No, but still, but it's it, it's a very 
specific and eloquent movie. And I mean, like the art of using language well, like that just doesn't exist on TV, really. No. Like that's it's just TV is just all it's because TV is just all about information, information, information. But in movies, yeah, it's kind of like I mean, he has one coming out. I think this year that I, I'm really, really excited for him. Man, Willem Dafoe is, oh God, he's great in it as well. He's so good. And, and that's the thing is you get a trained actor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, who's now getting to work with the English language. Yeah. You get to see what he does. Yeah, and goes. astounding. Oh, it's so good. And speaking of astounding, we're just going to get to my, I have not seen a better movie since Waves. And before then, it's Shame from 2011. So in reality, I guess this is one of the, two best films I've seen in the past decade for whatever that's worth. And I don't know, I've talked about this one, you know, on the podcast a lot and it, it's kind of hard to find a new way for it. I don't think I've ever mentioned Taylor Russell, who is the, she plays the sister, you know, she kind of owns the second half of the film. That's one of my favorite performances of the decade. Uh, I believe she was 19 when she made it. I don't know. It's really hard to pack that much humanity and compassion into that role. Every time I mention waves on this podcast, I just try to hope that, motivate someone to see it and it's on showtime so if you want to see it you are seeing a movie that is tapped straight into the pulse of my creative life it it just speaks to me in every every possible way oh man and that was always my biggest takeaway with it because i find it hard to speak about it because there's no way i could top the way that you talk about it so it seems like i don't have anything to say about <laughs> yeah. it but i love that movie it's my favorite of his of his yeah. movies yeah. he's made and um, but when when I did watch it for the very first time, I was like, I'm watching you yeah. like I'm watching yeah. the way that like the shot choices, mm -hmm. the compositions, the the way that the story unfolds. I'm like, oh, man, did these two talk right. like they come up with this together? I think that's awesome, though, because that's just that's just shows that like. The, again we talk about as artists like when you see something like that it's like okay i'm on the right track yeah fuck yes right exactly yeah. and and i just i just like to be clear about this whenever this stuff is brought up this doesn't mean like if i'm cut a check by a 24 for 10 million dollars i can go make waves that's not yeah, what i'm yeah. saying that's not what you were saying either but people who know what i like they know my filmmaking style they know the kind of music i like the type of cinematography i like i got so many calls and text messages after this movie came out like holy shit, dude, like, you're just all over that thing. Yeah. So that's, it's not just me living in this world. Like, there's someone else who sees art and film exactly how I do. And not for every story, because Waves is not, like, in the same style as his yeah. other movies. But for this specific story, cool. I just love it. And the next one is one you like really well, another extended one from you, and that is Uncut Gems, which you've already referenced, which is just like a... You know, it's something that people talk about, because people love or hate this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the reason people hate it, it seems to me, um, generalizing, is that it, it's in, it induces a certain amount of anxiety yeah. in people that they just don't want to see. Which I totally get because I feel like that with certain movies. Right. It's, it's probably the reason why I'm not the biggest horror guy mm -hmm. because I'm like, it just, why do I want to feel like that? Yeah. Why yeah. do I? So yeah. I totally get it. But in th my case, like, I think that type of anxiety that the Safdie brothers inject into their movies is captivating. And, and, and I think their use of sound oh, in this man. is a, a really great example of how else can we make you feel the the Russian panic 
of what's going on in our main character of Adam Sandler, who career favorite. Oh yeah. I and he's just so raw that it's just beautiful to watch. And I've always been an Adam Sandler fan. Me too. I've always liked him. And speaking of the audio of that, I I don't remember which brother it is, so forgive me, but one of them was always the boom operator on their movies, like their little indie movies, all the way up through Good Time. And because Uncut Gems was a higher budget, someone along the way was like, hey, you, if you want to do this, you'd have to be unionized. Like, you can't just be a boom operator anymore. And he's like, fuck it, I'll get unionized. So he <laughs> did. And he was a boom operator on Uncut Gems. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember if it's Josh or Benny, but I just, that's how important the audio is to them. Like, yeah. they're holding that shotgun mic to actually record the audio. It's really cool. You know, when we started, we breezed right over the bling ring. I didn't mention it. And I love that Sofia Coppola movie. So that was one of their first. That was H- one of H24's first movies. And that brings us right up to On the Rocks, which ah. is a partnership with Apple Plus. It's a- another very, very big deal for H24. They're going to start to release, you know, co-make movies with them. And then they're going to be released on Apple Plus. So that's just a big deal. And it means that H24 could have, you know, H24 does a lot for smaller movies and we've talked about a lot of them on the rocks is a movie by an established well-liked director an oscar winner with an, a very well-liked established star and you know sometimes it's just nice to be like yeah sophia we'll give you this amount of money to go make this like that's okay it's it's okay for a24 to give a little money to really good directors to make movies that's all i'm saying I, this is one of my favorite movies from 2020 yeah it, it's just it's a wonderful little piece of business yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I wanted to mention Minari just quick because, you know, it came out last year and this when I saw what A24 was doing with Minari, like in terms of the Oscar race and how it kind of became like an Oscar movie that could and ended up winning a major award supporting actress. I went, oh, they kind of really are Miramax now, not like their bullshit bullying tactics like they used to do or kind of buying Oscars by sending so many gifts. But their name alone and their distribution methods are helping. I saw that movie because it was an A24 movie. I had no idea what it was about. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll, next week, I'll come to the theater. That's A24's new movie. And I saw it. And, you know, whatever. That got my ass in the seat. So that's got to count for something. And, you know? the, and I, I, the last time I felt like that was about focus features. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. So, like, you know, if we're talking like A24 this past decade has yep. been that company. If you're talking about like the 2000s, that decade. If it was a focus features movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. This is going to be that indie movie that's doing something different that I'm going to want to see. Yeah. And they really did. They hit for so long. And, you know, that's that's kind of why we want to celebrate A24 now, because studios, I don't know, they come and go. I hope you're around forever. I hope you're releasing great movies forever. 2021, you know, it's been it's been a tough year so far in terms of movie releases, because there's a lot that was left over from 2020 that hasn't been released that may get released eventually but they've been crushing it lately first up for me was saint Maud, which was this like insane kind of devilish little thriller that has a perfect perfect final shot and then the next one that you know i was really really proud of them because a lot of movies in 2020 they they just caved and released on streaming because you kind of had to you know like paramount started releasing them they, there was that big scuffle with hbo like we're just going to release them on here instead of putting them in theaters for a longer time. And you get a movie like Zola, which A24 has sat on, and it is a smash at the 2020 Sundance. So that's January 2020, pre-COVID. 
and they have a plan to release Zola. Like I, I, I don't honestly know when, but sometime in 2020 and they were ready for it. And Riley is like on Twitter, like tweeting about, it. I can't wait for you guys to see this. And they sit on it until they could release it theatrically this year. And I saw this and I was so happy they sat on it because this is a gorgeous movie. It's a movie about technology. It's a somewhat true story about a Twitter thread that went viral. And it's just a really good technology movie that does not rely on technology to tell its story. It's just really well shot. And I know you like this one, too. So I just wanted to give a little little extra love to Zola. That's yeah. All. And it's still um, I'm I, depending on what city you're in, um, it still may be playing yep. in theaters. Yep. So uh, highly recommend to see it if, if you're if you're all about any of the movies that we're talking about in this podcast, like this is one that's you gotta see it's 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 phenomenal yeah it's really really good it's just really well done it's a lot of fun and we're gonna round out with a few other 2021 releases val which i know you we both just watched a documentary about val killer um and then the green knight is their movie in the theater right now directed by david lowry every single frame of it was a joy to look at but that's a 24 that's a 24 from 2012 slash 13 to right now we wanted to you know cruise through them and There are some movies probably that we've gone through that people haven't seen. And when I found out they were, I mean, we can end with a few fun facts here. Like, oh, I thought this would be fun. I mentioned this in passing, but there are five highest grossing movies of all time. Hereditary, Lady Bird was number two, which I thought was cool. Moonlight, Uncut Gems, and then Midsummer. So Ari Aster is like crushing it for them. You know, he's done, he's had two of their highest grossing movies ever. So that's just cool. It's got to be a big deal for a studio to cross over into the Oscar realm. We talked about them winning Best Picture in 2016. But in 2015, listen to this shit. They win Best Actress because Brie Larson was in Room, a movie we didn't mention. They win Best Documentary for Amy and Best Visual Effects for Ex Machina. So I thought that was cool. And then 2016, they win Picture. That's it. A24, any final thoughts? They're just the best of what they do. Yeah, they really are. And... um. These are all movies that I mean, even the ones we didn't talk about, like Room, for example, like that's just a, a, we just kind of blanketed across a bunch of movies that we just really liked and wanted to highlight. But th- look at their catalog. Yeah. There's like there's at least 10 movies that we didn't even talk about that are just as good. And um, you're not going to go wrong with this with this company. Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, like if we didn't mention something or breezed over like the witch or room it it does not mean we don't like it it's just there's too many damn movies here to talk about one podcast so we picked our favorite 50 sorry we could only narrow it down to 50 um all right we'll get into what are you watching who's going first it can't be a movie that we already discussed that's all okay perfect because i prepared and it is an a24 movie because we didn't talk about it all right i like to stay on theme yes um it's a noah bombach movie okay while we're young yeah oh cool cool i was hoping Either you would mention that. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like that one a lot. Um, but it, for, like, reasons, again, that, like, make me uncomfortable because I do, I, I do not have a good relationship with age or time. And so this movie pretty much just, like, smacks you in the face with that. Oh, big time. With Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts being, uh, uh, they're not old, but they're just, a, they're, they're a little bit older of a couple. Mm-hmm. And then they befriend a younger couple, Adam Driver and Amanda Seyfried. And the difference yeah. of it. And you're met with, like, the goods and bads. And I'm like, oh, God. But it's good. <laughs> and, and I'm a Noah Baumbach fan. And, um, and I think this kind of flies under the radar for him. I, yeah, I, I think it does, too. And I really like this one. I mean, 
anything with Naomi Watts, I'm going to see yeah. it. I, doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to like it, but I really love her in this. And the thing I remember most about this movie is this was my first exposure to learning what ayahuasca was. Oh. And again, never done it, but like they do that ayahuasca like party in the yep, apartment. Yep. And I remember being like, what is that? And then for a few years, like it was just everyone was talking about what that, and like Chelsea Handler did that documentary special and she did it. But I just I think that scene is really funny. It's <laughs> like puking. Don't puking. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great choice. And then mine is not an A24 movie, but I'm going to use an A24 movie as a launching point. The A24 movie I'm going to use as a launching point is Green Room, which mm. we didn't talk about. And it's like, it's just kind of hard to talk about Anton, man. Like, oh, I just love yeah. that guy. We both do. Like, Anton Yelkin was, man, he was, he was a really, really talented actor. And his favorite movie that he was in that I love is this tiny romantic drama from 2011 called Like Crazy. Nice. And it's by Drake Dormus. I absolutely love this movie. It has Anton Yelkin. You know, his work lives on. Felicity Jones is in this. I I love her because of this movie. Jennifer uh, Lawrence is in it. Yeah, very <laughs> young Jennifer Lawrence. For not even, a, for just like a few scenes, but yeah. before she kind of broke out. You know, they shot this on a Canon 7D, which was what I shot my first few movies on. This kind of gave me the inspiration of like, okay, I'll buy that camera and use it. Great use of M83. Like, I, I love this movie. And in closing, one another reason I wanted to bring this up was because... So we had like talked about the bachelor party a little bit, you know, that it was coming up and I was going to show you the exorcist, which we did, which is a previous episode. So we roll up to this bachelor party, folks. We're in Palm Springs, rented a nice house. And another friend of ours, Dan, rolls up and you and Dan had been in cahoots the whole time. And what these assholes did, what these monsters did, <laughs> was they set up a playlist of 30 movies, 30 movies on a laptop that were running, constantly running on the huge tv in the airbnb so it was always on these are the 30 movies that contain the worst breakups <laughs> and divorces <laughs> in the history of film like crazy was on them and which isn't a spoiler it just you know god that was a fun time so we were watching all sorts of like we'd come in the room i remember i came back in from the pool and scenes from a marriage was on it's like hour two of scenes from a marriage and i was like Dude, Dan, man, you got to turn this off. Like, this is six hours and it's all in Swedish. It's from 1973. Like, we got to turn this to other... Sh I mean, there were a lot of highlights. Blue Valentine, yep. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a lot of good uh, Cruel Intentions. I think we had six adult, five adult men watching Cruel Intentions yeah. at one point at like 4 p.m. It was great. That yeah. was like my favorite part was yeah. like, because we would be doing other things, but like every time like someone would just wander into the living room, a movie was on, it was playing, and then the ones that ultimately we ended up watching all together were hilarious. Yeah, Cruel Intentions was one. Oh my God, it was great. It was great. So that was fun. Thank you. And go check out some A24 movies, folks. Like if you don't have Showtime, again, they're available other places, but you're going to find a lot of gold. And just as always, thank you for listening and happy watching. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostal.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at wayw underscore podcast. Next time, in honor of the movie Pig, which everyone should see, Nick and I are going to highlight our top five Nicolas Cage performances each. Stay tuned.